Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David, and I am your host, Miles David. Thank you for tuning back in. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If it is not, then welcome back. I appreciate you for listening and allowing me into your ears. I'm sorry if my voice sounds weird. I have no clue how to get this frog out of my throat, but he in there. <laughs> And I've been taking my medicine and he or she, sorry to misgender the frog in my throat. Every time I say that, people are like, I've never heard that phrase before. Am I the only person that is, has has used that euphemism? Is that a euphemism? Frog in throat? When it feels like just something is in your throat? I don't know. Tell me if I'm the only person. DM me. <laughs> um, but today I have a really, really, really fun episode. We are going to be recapping all things 2020 tokyo olympics awkwardly in 2021 it, that whole thing is awkward but it's we're talking about the tokyo 20 <laughs> see i can't even say it right we're talking about the tokyo olympics that just took place in tennis i am joined by guest host miguel wood a native of atlanta him and i have a good old conversation me and miguel talk everything from food to furious thoughts about novak djokovic and also we have some really insightful conversation about the state of american tennis and also sports in general these days as well as a chat about his point of view which is really really interesting from a straight man's perspective his point of view about interacting with other queer men who have an interest in sports so i would stay tuned for the entirety of the episode to hear that portion of our conversation is really, really good. And maybe if you're not a Novak fan, this might not be your favorite episode of the podcast, but nonetheless, it is a good one. And we should get straight into it again. I, like I just said, <laughs> if you are a Novak Djokovic lover, you might want to speed or scrub past certain parts of it because we kind of do give him some heat and I, I i do want to just preface this by saying all of novak Djokovic's comments in the press especially his comments that were quote-unquote about simone biles um since we've recorded this conversation some things have come out about how those comments have been taken out of context and I acknowledge that I'll, I'll say that I acknowledge how they could have been taken out of context, but it doesn't do too much in changing my overall view of how I feel about Novak Djokovic. That's why I've kept majority of the conversation in this podcast that you're going to listen to. So, so I've done enough talking already and my throat is telling me to shut up. <laughs> so I will be back on the other side of our conversation between me and Miguel to wrap up the show and tell you guys what to expect in the next one. Okay. Be back later. Oh, another one for the highlight reel. Now, since you frequent Norcross, did you ever stop by Tropical Caribbean Cuisine? I have not. What? I have not. How do you say, man, I was hoping that you would say yes and we could bond over how bomb that food was, bro. You know what's crazy? Is it, is it still open? So they changed the name. When I, I went to, I drove up to Atlanta in February or May. What, earlier this year, I drove up and was surprised as hell to find out that it wasn't the same name. Still in the same location, but it's not called Tropical Caribbean Cuisine. And when I found out that, when I found that gym, 
it has definitely contributed to weight gain because that food used to be bussing. Like the jerk rice, the macaroni and cheese could use a little more pepper, but they had stuffed <laughs> salmon, they had jerk wings, they had this something, what they called that chicken. Damn it, I forgot what they called that chicken, but it was like sweet and spicy, man. And then they, then on top of that, they had the beef patties. Oh my, and I had never really grown up around tasting Jamaican food. So oh, when, I found that, when I found I that spot, I kind of lost my mind a little bit. I was like, oh, this is, this is what we doing. This is how they make that food. <laughs> nah, see, when I moved over here, man, it was just nothing but like, I got to go find a place. Because there's a place up in Smyrna where I used to live. And I would go and get Maria tacos. You know, the ones they, where they put like, it in the baby oil? In the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they put it in the they put it, uh, the 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 tortilla in a little sauce and fry it, and then they slam the um the the steak or pork or whatever. And yo, like it's a spot up by uh, I still call it SunTrust Park. I'm not calling it Truist Park. Uh, it should be Hank Aaron Stadium, but People anyway, from the Atlanta area know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so um. I had to find a real spot over here. Yo, like, if you want some fire tacos, Norcross is the spot. Yeah, I think they had a place called, not Busy Bee, but something Busy Burrito something that was off the beaten path. Like, you know one of them access roads that be on the mm -hmm. side of the highway that mm -hmm. you, like, drive past and be like, that shit probably ain't good shit. Yeah, they have, like, they have, like, a chain called Los Tortas. Um, you can find them all over around here, but it's like their own little chain. It's like the American Deli of tacos. Like you can find the American one. Deli ain't that good, folks. Sorry. It's not. Sorry it's to bust your bubble. It's not. <laughs> it's <laughs> and really that's the, not. Oh man, we gotta have that conversation, man. Because the thing with American Deli is there's so many different like wing spots in Atlanta, and mm -hmm. people choose American Deli or like Wingstop, and I'm like, what? What are you doing? Now, Wingstop. Like me, I go to. Wingstop can save the party with the ranch. Never, never. Nothing, <laughs> nothing. I'm one of those places, man. I'm one of those people where if your fries are like trash, mm. I can't eat at your establishment. Yeah, Wingstop so, don't have good fries. You're right. Their You're fries right. are trash. That's one reason I never ate at Steak and Shake. Like, shoestring fries, I'm good. You know, I'm glad I'm glad we're talking about well, I'm 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 glad we're talking about food because I'm about to ask you ten rapid fire questions and one of the questions has to do with food. And I'm also upset because now I'm hungry. So now we gotta we gotta get this podcast going <laughs> so I can eat my spaghetti because I'm hungry as hell now. <laughs> oh man. So welcome to the podcast, my guy. This has been a this has been a collaboration. Um that's 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 kind of come organically. I, I was just telling you before we press record how I was just on Clubhouse and Clubhouse mm -hmm. is kind of how we started connecting and talking about tennis. And I just figured like the way you talk about tennis and other sports, it would just be a no brainer to have you on the podcast. So I'm glad you're here before I, before, I, before I get you started with some rapid fire questions. Um, feel free to introduce yourself to the, to the listeners. This is your first time on the podcast. What's up, people? Um, this is Miguel, the artist formerly known as Bleak Superior. Uh, my Twitter account is suspended. Thanks, Rob Parker. Um, I'm still there on Instagram. But anyway, yeah, man, been playing tennis since high school. Uh, it's my favorite sport. Uh, Roger Federer is the GOAT, and Serena is also the GOAT on her side of the field. Um, yeah, 
That's all I gotta say. <laughs> Boom. Thanks for having me. No, no problem at all, man. I told you we would we would get this we would get this together, and this is gonna be the first first of many. Hopefully, hopefully, missing the point, and Miguel have a, a good collaboration in the future. Hopefully, because yes, gonna keep this train moving. All right, you're gonna be the second person I do this with because the, the the first the last episode. I hopefully by the time y'all listen to this, I've done this once already but i have a new segment called serving 10 and it's just 10 rapid fire questions with only one word that i'm going to ask you and you have to tell me the first thing that comes to your mind once i tell you the word and it could be a person place or thing not hard at all just to kind of get you and the listeners prepared for what kind of conversations we're going to get into and who you are as a person you got it got it all right good luck first first word this is the, this is the name rihanna um <laughs> um great i i would say forehead but i don't want to do it like that so i love rihanna i love everything she does we're not we're gonna go with great not forehead um, i will actually you know what i will say converted because i used to be a rihanna hater when i was younger when she first came out but she won me over so i'll say converted i, guess. I just want some new music because i'm tired of um we're never getting an album. Never <laughs> it's not happening. You know what? Next, another it's podcast. Another podcast for that. Okay, yeah, next. Next word. U.S. Open. Um. Uh, I guess. I don't know. Wait, was the is is your phrase? I guess my phrase is I guess. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. Or no, you know what? I would say scared. That scared? would be okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, we'll, because we'll, we'll unpack that. We'll unpack yeah, that. For reasons of Serena, but <laughs> other than that. And also the fact that that doof could probably win it, win it again. But we'll, 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 we'll unpack a whole bunch of that in this episode. Just, just, <laughs> just, just hang tight, y'all. Hang tight. Next word, Adidas. Kanye? Okay. Yeah. Like Kanye West? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. Uh, next word, easy one, tennis fun good good great next word podcast um emerging will be my word emerging yeah okay because it's still something that's in its infancy in my opinion as a platform okay 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 um zaxby's overrated and unseasoned Depending on the location, because they will season your fries depending on where you at. And sometimes they'll overseason it, and you left with a headache. But that's neither here nor there. Man, listen. Uh, I'll tell you. Next word, gym. Like the gym or gym? The Howard? gym, like LA Fitness. Oh, um, I need to go. <laughs> no, I'm saying, <laughs> saying. Now these next these next three, you should have very interesting responses to. Last three, Chris Paul. Um, disrespected. Fair. Disrespected. You know I, I will always. Oh. The only thing I don't like about Chris Paul is the fact that he is a habitual line stepper because he likes to punch man in the balls. But <laughs> another story for a different day. Next word, Milwaukee. Yeah. <laughs> it's I Milwaukee, hope, man. I was like, hoping you say Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Giannis, I guess. I don't know. It, I, still I was not excited. Man. After game two, I was not excited about the finals. And I wasn't even rooting for anybody because I'm a Celtics fan. I'm eh, I'm, I'm cool. 
I wasn't excited about any part of the NBA Finals. And last but not least, we got a name that you know all too well. Oh, boy. Novak Djokovic. Doof. (laughs) (laughs) Doof. (laughs) That That is his entire being. That's who he is and who he will always be. He's a joker. And jokers are usually dupes. Yeah, but I don't know. We'll just we'll dive deeper into it. You know, let's 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 get into it because we talking we we here today to talk about the 2020, aka 2021, Summer Olympics at the Tokyo Games in Tokyo. And as tennis fans, if there was a word that would sum up the event that just that just took place as as we're talking they just handed out the medals last or this morning slash last night you know it's weird with the the time difference what what is one word you would use to sum up the tennis olympics or the tennis at the olympics this year um uninteresting (laughs) like uh, Uh, yeah uninteresting uh, lack of interest like because once a (sighs) lot Once the big dogs started pulling out, I was just like, <clears throat> my only interest in this was, so before Coco pulled out, I was like, all right, I'm here to see Coco. I'm here to see Naomi. Um, that was pretty Dennis, much it for me. Did Dennis, did Dennis participate? Shapovalov pulled out before the... Before yeah, the- once all the people that I care about pulled out. And I mean, Francis, you know what was going to happen. Stephanos, I was that was probably the only man I was like, all right, I'm about to sit and watch this dude. Mm-hmm. But it was just like, all right, nine times out of ten, Novak's about to run through the field. But for some reason, with Carino Busta, it's just like I don't even think Carino Busta is half of the problem that Novak Djokovic has. But when we talk you about know what Novak they blamed Djokovic, it on, what they blame it they, on? They said, oh, he's been playing nonstop for. <laughs> however many months since clay court season started and he's just fatigued and he needs to take a vacation before he goes to Queens. I mean, to his credit, to his credit, let's, 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 before we dig into Djokovic's behind as he, as he deserves, let me, let me set the scene. He's the world number one. He's won. He's won the Australian, the French open and Wimbledon. And he is, set up or was set up to win the calendar year golden slam which is when you win all four grand slams in the same season and the olympic medal if you're playing the olympic year so he was well on his way to do that and he came into the olympics on a 22 match winning streak dating all the way back to his win at the belgrade open which is in his home country of serbia but all of that came crashing down when he lost to the eventual gold medalist Alexander Zverev of Germany in the semifinals. And when I say mm-hmm. crashing down, he lost the set, the last set. They played best of three sets. He lost the last set 6-1. And in that, in that stretch of him completely losing it, he lost eight games in a row. So it came crashing down pretty quickly for, yeah. for Novak. It really did. When, when you woke up and saw the results that he was out, what, what was your first thoughts? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) my first thought was like, praise Jesus, (laughs) because it's, it's always a good day for me when Novak loses. (laughs) 
I know um, there are some supporters of this podcast that are not going to like this episode. They're not going I to mean, <laughs> but you know what, though? <clears throat> I think I've told y'all this before. When Kobe Bryant, God rest his soul, was playing, as a Celtics fan, I hated Kobe Bryant. Mm. I felt like he wasn't relatable. I felt like he had no personality. I felt like he was the machine that a lot of us thought Michael Jordan was up until we watched um, the documentary, The Last Dance last year. Cause a lot of us felt the same way about Michael Jordan. Like I grew up in a house where my dad was a, a Bulls fan and mm. you know, he worshiped the ground that, you know, Michael Jordan stood on as a, as a basketball player. And so with Kobe, it was always like, I don't like Kobe, but once he stepped out of the, once he stepped off the court and I saw him post career and the man he, or the person he became or the figure he became, the icon he became post career. And you got to see more personality. You got to see more of him actually grew to like Kobe Bryant. And honestly, I think the antithesis or the same could be said for a lot of people with my favorite quarterback, Tom Brady. Woo! So let me, let me, let me, let me, <laughs> let me, let me just, let me give you this one. So one of big, one of Tom Brady's biggest um, criticisms was he was a machine. Never gave you anything at press conferences, always kept it at, you know, Hey, I'm just trying to get it done, blah, 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 but never give you much. But if you see who he's become after he left that franchise in New England, he's a much more fun person. I was about to show my card about how much football I watched because I was about to ask, did he really leave the Patriots? But I, he's with yeah, the he Buc- left. He with he the Buccaneers. Bucks and one. Yeah. And they want. I mean, they still want to. They still want a Super Bowl. Damn, I'm so out of the loop. So here's the. So here's the. Here's the. The dichotomy or whatever duality, whatever you want to call it. So he gets six championships in New England. Every championship parade, it's very coach speak, very dry, all of that stuff like that. When he wins a championship in Tampa Bay, he shows up to the parade drunk, out of his mind. People had to carry him out. Dude was on the back of a yacht tossing the Super Bowl trophy over to another yacht. Like, Tom Brady's personality is completely different. Now, back to Novak. Mm-hmm. I've never liked Novak Djokovic. But who knows? When he retires, he steps away from the court. If he starts a media company or something like that and, you know, actually becomes more likable, who knows? I he might. just has had way too many moments, and the moments keep coming. I thought yeah. for a moment that they had slowed down a little bit, like in the middle of, like kind of like in the middle of this year, because he was just winning. But he keeps putting his foot in his mouth, especially at these Olympics, with his most recent comments about he he just basically copied and pasted in the worst way possible a comment of a, a legendary quote I should say from Billy Jean King. And if you don't know who Billy Jean King is, how you listen to this podcast too, <laughs> you should know who that is. If, um, you, if you have a record in your hand, you should know. You should know who Billy Jean King is, especially, yeah, for sure. If you are a a queer person, a woman or a person of color, you should know who Billy Jean King is. Billy Jean King has a famous quote that says, pressure is a privilege. And 
Novak used that quote in response to questions about Simone Biles and a, a, a adjacent Naomi Osaka. Was that confirmed? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the 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 swirling the the media knows and the media is picking up off the vibes that Simone Biles and Naomi Osaka are doing what they want to do and what they can do and should be doing for their mental health, and it's being twisted and turned into their ability to not handle pressure just because of these specific Olympics and the press are just kind of skipping over the fact that everybody has just gone through and is still going through a damn pandemic. We all kind of we all swirled in the brain a little bit. We all are. Did you hear about the um the mental part when it came to uh Naomi Osaka? Not yeah. Naomi Osaka but Simone Biles. Um so there's been articles saying that she uses or she's used either Ritalin or Adderall. Because she's been diagnosed with ADHD. And, <laughs> and they to said that, that too, yeah. What was I watching? I think I might have caught a clip of Joe Rogan's podcast and he was talking about it on YouTube. And he was basically saying, according to some articles, she has been using either Ritalin or Adderall. They couldn't confirm which one it was. But whichever one it is, it's illegal in Japan. And they said that she got a medical clearance to use it in Rio. Mm -hmm. She did. But for, <clears throat> but for some reason, she couldn't get one for, uh, for Tokyo. Mm. And um, the guy that was on there with Joe Rogan was basically saying, like, she's nine times out of ten dealing with withdrawals. Which would make sense. And he was basically saying, like, she's nine times out of ten uh, dealing with withdrawals, but they don't care. Because it sounds better and it's a better storyline for her to just be like a diva and be, or, or a deep there. It's, it's so many different things I've seen online and out there. Either she's a diva because she's um, thinking that she's better than the sport and can pull out whenever she wants to, or she's a quitter and a crybaby because she left her teammates out there. But in reality, she's just doing what is healthy for her because we'd all be sitting here crying if that woman, I mean, she's not, a grown woman, but I don't want to, but I also don't want to call her a girl. If she was pushing her body to do the things that it takes to be an Olympic gymnast and also knowing that her head wasn't in the right space, if we were to see something horrible take place, we'd all be sitting there with our mouths on the floor wishing that we could have done something to stop it. And she's the one taking the initiative to be like, hey, y'all, I'm not in a good frame of mind right now and that's still not enough but i talked about that on the last podcast see that 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 and i'll just say this and we can move <laughs> on but and we can go back to novak but i don't know if we actually talked about it but this is the reason why i told people i left watching that naomi osaka documentary scared for her, honestly like i, I, I get left it. I get it. watching that documentary terrified for her because you sit and watch, and you can tell even during some of those photo shoots and stuff like that, she just looks uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not used to this. And I mean, I don't know if she has a sports psychologist or whatever, but you just know what that pressure is. Nobody on the outside, none of these people in the media, none of them know what that pressure is like. And for her to have to go through that, and I just was like, man, I hope this doesn't turn into a situation where she gets overwhelmed and she ends up harming herself. 
I think she has enough people around her that care about her to pick up on signs if it were to get that bad. But that's yeah. that's why I'm happy that she did what she, she did. Took the break, yeah. And I'm glad that I'm glad that the break seemed to even if even even if it's just for our our eyes at the Olympics, the break seemed to work because when she came on the court for her first two matches, she worked the hell out of the the, the matches. I know she didn't end up with the gold medal and she had like a, a shock defeat to the eventual silver medalist in Von Drusova. But if you go back and watch and if you were privy enough to be up late and watching her first two matches, she looked like the the num- world number one player bar none. That's the kind of tennis that she can play when she's when she's focused and healthy and ready to be out there, which is why I'm happy that she took the break because those first two matches showed me that she with it. Like, this is not no fluke, and I don't understand how we even got to a point of some people even defining her career as a fluke when she's won four Grand Slams and there's other women out here scratching, crawling, crying, betting, pleading to get to one, to get to one final, and she's won four by the age of but not even 24 you know what i'm saying so she's definitely doing her thing and if that means that we have to be okay with her, her taking breaks when she's already told us that she suffers from anxiety and depression and those things hardly ever just go away they're managed if she's op- if she's been open with her fans enough to deal with that that just means we got to be okay if she's saying that hey all of the stuff that i've been doing the the magazines the the the, the press the the habitual I'm the leader for everything or the sports person for everything. If I want to take a break from that, cool. Like that's just what it is, and I think that's but, normal. But even when she um when she lost, mm-hmm. she lost with a smile on her face. Yeah, boom. like that told boom. me a lot because I'm just like, all right, even because she lost the first set, and I was just like, all right. Let me see how she looks when she goes and sits down. She looked like she was in the zone. She's sitting there drinking, you know, chilling. So I'm like, all right. She looks like she's in the zone. She looks like she's focused. So she's going to come back out here, and we're going to see how she's looking in the second set. She ended up losing, but after she lost, I was like, all right, let me see how she reacts. She looked okay she with it. Going to the side, sulking. I mean, even when she knew the match was pretty much in hand, mm-hmm. for Von Juskova, it was just like, all right, this shit is wrapped. I'm done. Like, let's go. Like, I, I'm there's, out. I, there's more important things. Like, not to not to belittle her ability to compete because I think she's a diehard competitor. It's just that when you've experienced the things that she's experienced in the past four years and how they came on so aggressively with her being the figurehead and sponsor and spokesperson for stuff that she is, I I, I get why she had to take the break. And then. I, I mentioned this on the podcast before. It's interesting, and we'll get back to Djokovic because we got to give Djokovic um, some some heat here. Yeah, it's interesting that the world number one right now on the WTA side, Ash Barty, took a year plus off from the sport, and when everybody mentions her name, they applaud the fact that she did that. Osaka took two months off, and all of a sudden she's a diva. Interesting, In, you know. You, we, you we know, know why. You know, it's, you know why. You know, you know what, Barty? There was always a built-in excuse. What? Osaka should have the same range to have an excuse of just not being able to handle the pressure or the pressure being too much because as humans, that's something that we all can relate to. Maybe Novak Djokovic can't because Djokovic swears to God that he is 
a machine using a using the verbiage that you use and sometimes when you try to have that machine mentality that oh yeah i want all the pressure i want all the pressure the pressure is what makes me you watch somebody lose it or snap and that is what happens to novak djokovic when he loses when he loses is it's different when Serena is mad at herself, just to use another, prof- another higher profile athlete. I know Serena and Djokovic are very different. The way they approach the game are very different. Their accomplishments are similar, but two different players, right? But they both have a passion for the game and they show it and not afraid to show it. When Serena shows her passion and it shows up in a racket smash or screaming, it is very easy. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a fan of her or a, a, a black person and I'm, and I'm and I'm giving her a pass because I'm black. It's easy for me to understand why she's kind of upset with herself. And when she when she emotes or or breaks a racket, I get it because I probably would be be upset at that too. When Novak Djokovic does it, it almost seems like I'm watching somebody who could harm somebody in this stadium. But and I'm, I'm I'm not like I'm not trying to call him like. Like, I'm not trying to do too much when I say that, but it's just the feeling I get. When I, it, it, it looks like when he, when he snaps, he could be somebody on an episode. That could hurt somebody. Yeah, it could hurt somebody or be on oxygen. And that's not a good look for somebody that's on the road to becoming a, or on the road to trying to b- potentially win a calendar year Grand Slam. The golden stuff is out because, ha, 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 Novak didn't even win a medal. No, no, no medals for Novak is going to be the title of this, of this podcast. No medals for Novak. He might be no He might be no medal Novak for the rest of his life. To me, you no. Know, I have but, a. I have a. Go ahead. Go ahead. And after you, after you go, I have a question about medals. Go ahead. So, I I think when I after that Karina Booster um, loss, I said, you know what? I'm not even going to look up to see what Nick Kyrgios had to say. <laughs> he has something to say. I don't think he did, but oh. <laughs> you remember because this is the second time I've been like, if that was Nick Kyrgios, oh yeah, oh yeah, they would have kicked him out of the sport for like two years. Because mm-hmm. when he hit that lady in Queens, Nick, that's when Nick said something. Nick was like, if that was me, I would have been banned for life. Oh, you, you said Queens, like New New York, because that's what New at the U.S. Open, right? That's what that's what New York. That's what yeah. The US so when he hit that lady in the throat, <laughs> even though she had you know the dramatics, but when he hit that lady, Nick Kyrgios immediately tweeted and was like, "Actually, he did like a poll question. Mm-hmm. He was like, if how long would I have been out of the sport? How long would I have been out of the sport?' And I understand like when you get to a certain level." You can get away with a little more, but not that egregious kind of behavior. Egregious. Like when he threw that racket into the stands, I'm like, imagine if that's the U.S. Open. Imagine if that's Wimbledon. Like, what's the what's the punishment? Because that's always my thing. Like, I are we even gonna penalize him? Like, yeah, I don't think he got a single warning for no. for for throwing his racket into the 
even though the Tokyo stands didn't have any fans and where he threw it at, there was nothing, there was nobody in danger of getting hit, but he threw it in frustration. It wasn't Just like the, a, it wasn't like a, old like. The um, principle of it, man. Yeah, the principle. And then on top of that, after he, we go into the third set against, or we go into the third set in the bronze medal match against Pablo Karimi Busu. And this is after Novak has already lost to Alexander Zverev in the semifinals. And he knows he has no chance of winning a gold medal, but he at least has a chance of winning a bronze medal, something he's done before back in 2008 at the Beijing Olympics. He, he flubs up a volley, and I think he gives a break to Carino Busta in the third set after already saving a match point in the second set because, honestly, Carino Busta could have wrapped that up in two tight sets. <laughs> uh, he really could have. He really could have and should have. Novak yeah. Djokovic takes his racket, and anybody that plays tennis knows that there are two metal posts that hold up the actual net. Mm-hmm. In most players, when they're mad, they just hit the racket and they either hit it against their foot or the ground, oh, the ground. and, and, yep. and that, that smashes it. You move on, you get, you get that frustration out, that adrenaline is or the bench, or, or the bench, or something. He hit, the, he hit the pole right underneath where the chair umpire is, and you could literally see the racket, the strings, the graphite, all of that stuff explode. And if there would have been ball boys or ball girls right there, hell, even if the umpire would have gotten, or if the umpire would have been sitting at a certain angle and gotten he any kind got of debris, he would have got DQ because, like, I'm not saying a tennis racket is an actual weapon, but if it is exploding after you hit it against something else that's metal, you don't know where those where those where the debris those is going to go. Are going to fly. You're, that that could have flew in somebody's eye, and I know I know he probably was not thinking of that at the time, but that's also the problem. The fact that you're not thinking or cognizant of the fact of, I understand you want to give frustration out because you're not winning this match and you quote unquote should, but dude, like you just made this statement about how everybody should be able to handle pressure. Look at what you're doing when the pressure is really on. Is that, that's, that's, that's too, that's, that's, that's not really aligning to what you're saying. And then you get back in the press conference and then pull a, I, I injured my shoulder, and then you were also in. It's the, always an it's always something. He, he just he just always. he just completely gets out of the tournament altogether after after losing. So technically, he lost four times. He lost to Zverev. He lost to Busta. He lost in the semifinals of the mixed doubles, and he withdrew from the bronze medal match in the mixed doubles after pulling that stunt in the Karina Busta bronze medal singles match. So altogether, it was a bad week for him and. For the same guy in the same week to say pressure is a privilege and he handles it so well and that you better be ready to handle pressure if you're going to be a top athlete, you didn't handle it that well, my guy. That's why I keep saying he will never (laughs) – I always go back to a quote that Draymond Green had towards uh, Paul Paul Pierce um, in his last season in the league. And a lot of the – whenever legends – are on their last leg in the NBA that last season, they go on like a little retirement tour Mm -hmm. throughout the, you know, that last season. And Draymond pretty much told Paul George, he was like, you know, you ain't Kobe. Like (laughs) they don't (laughs) love you like they love Kobe. And that's, that's always what I go back to. And I love Paul Pierce. I'm a Celtics fan, but I always go back to that when it comes to Novak being compared to the other two that we consider the goats. Like, 1A, 1B. Like, when I saw him do that, I was like, Roger Federer would never. Rafa would never. 
and I'm never, I, I hate to be the guy that gets on and, you know, screams about, you know, behavior and all of that stuff like that. But my issue with Novak has always been, you played the villain role early in your career. You want to be the villain. If you're going to be the villain, that's why I love Daniil Medvedev. If you're going to be the villain, <laughs> you're going to be the villain. Mm -hmm. That's why I love Nick Kyrgios. If you're going to be the villain, be the villain. But as he started piling up, piling up, piling up majors, and now people started to put him in the same conversation as Roger and Rafa, now it's like, I want the love. I want the adoration. I want to be admired. It's almost like it comes out of his pores how much he wants to be liked. And when you yeah. said when you said compared to the other two, that made me think about why the pressure kind of hit differently at these Olympics. And I know I put this in like our show notes to prepare for the show. On a on a level of just importance in sports, how important is it really to have a medal in your cabinet in tennis? In tennis, let's go medal. Let's keep it. Let's keep it specific to the sport of tennis. How important is it to really have a a gold a medal period in your cabinet? And how important do you think it is for Novak Djokovic if you put it in the story of the other two guys that have gold medals in their cabinets? Because Roger has a gold medal in doubles from the two thousand and eight Beijing Olympics, mm -hmm. and Novak. Well, it's not Novak. Yikes. <laughs> and Rafa has and Rafa has two gold medals, one in singles at the Beijing Olympics in 2008 and then one in doubles at the Rio Olympics in 2016. Novak has zero gold medals, just one bronze. Um in my opinion it doesn't matter at all. I mean, cuz nobody cares until every 4 years. Yep. So they only care that one year. <laughs> yeah, like nobody cares. So even when Serena was going for it, it was just like, all right, that would be nice if she got it, but... It was the way that she won her gold medal, but that's a different yeah. podcast. No, I'm going to save that podcast for when she puts her record down. I can really, I can really, really, <laughs> really, really give her, her flowers because that was, a, that was a damn tournament right there, man. Woo! Man, yeah, they, they showed... Somebody broke down, like, I think she lost a total of, what, 17 games? Something like that. The, the most 13 games, or 17 games the whole time? The most games she lost in the set was three, I think. That's ridiculous. But that was just – that was sheer dominance. That's mm -hmm. what I always tell people. Like, I always say Roger Federer is the greatest. Serena's the most dominant tennis player mm -hmm. by far. When she's ever. feeling herself, when she's feeling herself, you already go down there almost down a set. Yeah. If, she's, if, if, she's, if, if, if she walking on court with a certain mentality about herself, you already down three love. Easy. But back – even if Novak would have won, see, it's hard. It's hard to it's hard to concentrate on Novak because it just don't feel comfortable, does it? It's just hard. It just. I mean, I can. <laughs> I can. It it pains me to talk about him, but <laughs> if we keep it on Novak, all right. If he would have won, at the end of the year, it would have mattered if he let's say he completes the Golden Slam. Mm -hmm. But two years from now, or a year from now, nobody cares. I disagree a little bit. And I honestly, before, like before the Olympics started, I was ready to swallow my pride and be like, 
I, I was shifting myself and I was shifting myself to be like, okay, if Novak does go on to win these Olympics, get a gold medal and win the U S open, at least I can say I lived through somebody winning the calendar year golden, golden slam. slam. Cause I, that's something that I didn't live through in 1988 when Steffi Graf did it. And that was the last person to do it. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, there's a silver lining there for that, but I didn't actually want him to win the gold medal. So when he was out, I was like, oh, I can go back to not really, I can go back to being okay with Novak never winning a gold medal. And he's already come out with his statements that he's looking forward to Paris in 2024. Knock on, knock on wood, he's retired by then? No, but even then, Probably I don't think <laughs> four years from now, three. Novak, three. or three years from now, Novak won't be the best player in the world, in my opinion. Especially, especially if... How old is Novak? He just turned 34. Oh, definitely. Three years from now, not at all. I mean, hopefully, hope if time tells us anything, hope hopefully that is the case. But I will say, how do I put this? I think when we see, when we see Novak, and I, I don't, I'm not like trying or hoping to see a man crack. However, I do think Novak Djokovic is setting himself up to do that. And I think when he cracks, he's not really going to know how to deal with it because he's, he always comes off and he, he'll, he'll say it in a press conference that, Oh, I'm not really worried about the other two and my legacy is my own, but his actions and his demeanor prove the exact opposite. So when he realizes that the other guys are a little bit better than him and he's lost a step, I don't think he's going to take that very well. I don't, I don't you know. What? I don't see his. I don't see his. 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 We are. We are long away. We are. We are a long way from him leaving the sport. But I don't feel like the sport is going to miss him when he leaves. It's not. Genetically. It's not. It's not going to miss him. I'm, I, I let me tell you something, <clears throat> and I'm gonna go back to a quick pop culture reference that I thought about when you were talking about Novak and him cracking or whenever it whenever he hits that proverbial cliff um the day roger federer retires i'll probably cry same a tear <laughs> exactly <laughs> <laughs> the day rafa the day rafa retires i'll be like Shh, i'm gonna miss that dude mm-hmm. um <clears throat> the day novak retires goodbye like it's gonna be like okay like uh, yeah goodbye yeah. I like, I really would love to spend, well, I don't actually wouldn't love this, but if I just spent like 10 minutes in the shoes or in the mind of a real diehard Novak fan, I would love to know what is it that makes, Novak, you, that makes you do that. Cause Novak, I like, and I, and I hate to be like, I, I definitely want to be the guy that reports the news unbiasedly or reports the scores unbiasedly. And I do give Novak credit for his achievements, because I, 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 like I've said, like my guy can play tennis. He's not my guy. Absolutely, the man can play tennis. He's just not somebody that you want to kind of wrap your arms around. And in in sports, those two things kind of go hand in hand. Like yes, he's there are your people, quintessential tryhard. That's yes, and he's yes. great. He's great. Um. But there's always a, I don't know if it's a cliche, but there's a reoccurring like thing that a lot of us don't like. You're great, but you don't have to tell us you're great. Mm. It's like the guy who gives himself in his own nickname. 
it's just like, <laughs> like, do you really have to do that? Where's your Where's your humble pie at? Is it in your? It's back not pocket? even. I I don't even care about like cockiness because I mm-hmm. I like my athletes with a little edge to them. You know, cockiness, arrogance, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. Because I think there's I think there's always I think anybody that calls himself an athlete has to walk on a court, field, basketball court, whatever, and feel like I'm the best. Mm-hmm. And in order to have some sort of like, I can win this. But when Novak is just like, like I said, he's your quintessential tryhard. And he's great. And he's going to tell you he's great. He's going to rub it in your, try to rub it in your face as much as possible. But he's going to do it in a very passive aggressive mm-hmm. manner. Mm-hmm. And it's just yeah. like, dude, we can, it, we can it, tell, we can tell, like, you know, we can tell this, right? Like we, it just comes we're not, off. We're not oblivious to what you're trying to do. Like, and we, I'm Mr. I used good. to be Mr. Passive aggressive. And I'm just like, nah, man, I, I don't like it. So yeah. I, I'm Enough good. about Novak. Novak. He also, did. hold on, hold on. Quick pop what? culture reference. You know what I thought of <laughs> when you said like how people might celebrate the day he hits that cliff for like cracks. Mm-hmm. I thought about Derek Jackson for some who? weird. Oh, you don't know about Derek Jackson? Uh-uh. The like relationship guru who was like out here just trashing men, primarily black men. And he built his like empire off. I'm the perfect guy. I'm the quintessential perfect dude. Like I can tell you what, you know, what kind of man you want and all this stuff like that. And then he ends up getting caught years later, cheating on his wife. Oh, the guy that was gripping onto his wife in the bonnet. Yeah. So that's who I thought about because I'm just like, when it when it falls down on him, he not go he he go, he not gonna know what to do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, when it all falls down, what do you have left? I don't necessarily wish Novak bad. I just think that there are other storylines and other players that are easier for me to get behind. Absolutely. He just happens to be the world number one, and he just happens to be the player that has won the most this year. And I got to talk about him, but I also got to be honest. Honest but fair. Honestly, he's not my favorite player. Me being fair is he's a great tennis player. Absolutely. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he copes with the pressure in New York and it'll be interesting to see how the crowd receives him in New York based, so off, of, based off of the fact of what he did last season and what he's kind of aiming for when he gets to New York. What's up? What's your question? Quick question as we can move on. So there's a a recurring sentiment that um, he tends to struggle against unconventional players. Mm-hmm. Nick Kyrgios, um, and players like that that just don't play a traditional That don't give him a rhythm, yeah. <clears throat> what do you think about that? Do you agree or? Yeah, I think, he, okay. I, I think he is really great at the style of tennis that tennis, like as the, the, the style that tennis as a whole has pushed itself into. Like somebody asked would, like who would have won on at Wimbledon in a pre-2004 grass er, era, I don't think Novak, and it's and, it, and it's really hard to say this like concretely because it's it's not it can't happen based on like when he when it what his age is and stuff like that. But I don't think Novak Djokovic his style of play would have would have hung with the Pete Sampras Boris Brecker Boris Brecker kind of era. Like it just wouldn't have it wouldn't have hung. I think he's really good at majority of things on the tennis court, but I also don't think that 
there's enough weaponry. He wins his matches off of the fact that people get frustrated by not knowing how to beat him, which is a, which is a, that's a strength in and of itself for Novak to have, but I'm the kind of player that likes to see actual weapons in an opponent. And maybe you could say that Novak Djokovic's backhand is a weapon, but he, he's not a, there's no a lot of people out to call him a backboard. He's he's a counter. He's a he's a, a maybe a little bit more aggressive counterpuncher. He yeah. has a great serve. He can he can he can hit his spots on his serve. But there's nothing that I walk away from in a Novak Djokovic match saying, "Wow!" Outside of his ability to kind of scramble and stretch and reach yeah. balls, that's that's pretty. That's pretty. That's really that really corner to me. corner. Yeah, corner to corner stuff. Yeah. But just like the X's and O's, there's not enough that makes me go wow. Um, and that's, that's why I that's, say that's 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 part of the reason why I don't get behind him like that, you know. And that's what I and about attitude Roger. and attitude on top of it, his and attitude and demeanor on top of it makes it hard. And that's why, like, and I, that's always been my thing with him. It's like I've never seen anybody play the game as beautiful as Roger Federer. Like grace, beauty. It's just it's literally poetry in motion. That backhand, I mean, that backhand on grass in all white. It's nothing more beautiful than that, man. And, and it's the contrast. It's the contrast to, and that's why their rivalry has shaped the way tennis is looked at and popularized tennis more so in European sport in European countries, because it's the juxtaposition of Rafa. And Rafa, Rafa, his forehand is aggressive. He takes hugely aggressive. Literally touches. a bull. Like yeah, he, he's he makes going it to look. He makes it look physical. Yeah. Yep. And I love it. I love. It. And mm-hmm. that's why that's why I can get behind both. Cause like, if we're taking it back when it was just Roger and Rafa, I was on the Roger side, mm-hmm. but I never necessarily hated Rafa. It was something, it was something to look at. Like, okay. It was a mutual is, respect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it was a mutual respect. Like, all right, cool. Like I didn't like Peyton Manning when he played football. <laughs> I couldn't stand Peyton Manning. <laughs> but when I, when I, when him and Peyton, when him and Tom Brady was square off, I knew it was going to be a great game every single time. Like, and there's, a, like I said, a mutual respect. But get out of here. Like, go buy Novak. <laughs> buy, and, buy Novak, and we're we yeah. we, we going to hop off of him because, it, yeah. With the whole the whole podcast can't be given to him, but the, this this episode will be named No Medals for Novak because I like the way that sounds. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. I like it. So let's talk about some players who kind of fizzled out of these Olympics. And there's one player I wanted to just briefly touch on who I'm not necessarily worried about. And I think you know who I'm about to say. I'm not worried about him, but this was an opportunity for him to kind of make some noise and potentially get a medal for his country. And for all intents and purposes, he flopped. And I'm talking about Felix. Felix, yeah, Felix. I know he's still young. He turns 21 this month in August. Um, Or, yeah, I think he turns either 21 or 22. I think he turns 22. Yeah, he turned 22. Um, and that's still super young, right? So he has, a, he has a very high ceiling, but it's the way that he loses sometimes that concerns me. But I, I've said this before, and I'm pretty consistent with it. The fact that he switched coaches to Tony Nadal, Rafa Nadal's uncle, and we see how much greatness that has produced, I'm excited to see, and I hope that Felix actually does what I think, which is the smart thing. And I hope he doesn't go and do like a whole long 
um, you know how to do like the indoor swing because I don't think he's he's had enough points to make it to the year-ended championships. Yeah, he probably. needs to if, if if that means he has to skip a master so he can have more time off to just rest and get into a really really like hardcore training off season. We could be looking at a monster. I just need to see that happen. I need I need to feel like I'm watching a different player that realizes how good he is. And I kind of put him in the same boat with uh, Francis Tiafo. I need to believe that you know how good you are because we can see it. It's just that sometimes we don't see it when, I don't see it when I look at you. And that's, you know that's, that's concerning. You know what some of them need? And I said this before. What's that? Fra- especially Francis. He just needs that one homeboy that's just going to walk in the locker room and cuss him out after a match. He just split up with his coach, too, Francis Tiafo. You see, you peeped that? It, no, nah, I didn't see that yet. <clears throat> the the but, guy, Zach, Zach, Zach something, they split. Yeah. Honestly, and I Maybe understand. Maybe that's for the better. Hopefully, that's for the better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm just one of those people, like, you need that one homeboy that's just going to come in there and be like, hey, man, like, what are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. what's going on? Even like we had that conversation about um, Francis, pretty much like you know doing the friendlies before happy matches. Be that was Stefanos. Happy like, to be here, yeah. Just happy to be here. Give me a hug at the end. I'm so happy to be. You here. need that homeboy that's gonna reply to that tweet and be like, "Yo, what? Excuse me. Where's you need the that one person? Edge? Where's you need the- that one person in your corner that's gonna tell you like you need to tighten up." You need to tighten up. I don't know if it's got to be a hitting partner. I don't care who it is. You need that one person in your corner that's going to be like, you need to tighten up. And it, your coach can only do so much. Because mm-hmm. they can't swing the racket for you. Your coach can only do so much. You need that person that's out at the bar with you a couple of days before the match. Well, like, maybe hey, not at the bar. On. Maybe the salad well, bar. <laughs> <laughs> or you just kick it, you just kick it in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Like, What's going on? Why y'all playing video or, games and just gives you yeah. the feel about where you are and your and I, I I feel like Tiafo has a whole bunch of and maybe maybe Felix to a certain extent they have buddies and nothing's wrong with like buddies that are that are that cool to kick it with but he needs somebody to be like bro yes there's Novak yes there's Rafa and yes there's Roger that are all still playing you have an opportunity to really stamp your name on tennis history books because everybody around you sees the talent and even your colleagues, the people that you're playing against would list you as somebody that's the most athletic or has the most potential. Why are you not tapping into it? What is it that we have to do to tap into it? Because Felix, Felix has a little bit of a a, a maturity thing to go through, but, but Tiafo has really been on a tour for a couple of years now. There's no reason for him to not really be in the top 50, top 40, top 30 consistently with all of that talent. Maybe we're giving him too much. And that could be it. Maybe we see too much in him and maybe we want him to be too much than, and we're seeing too much talent that isn't there. But when I watch him play and I feel like he's really in tune to a match, I, I, it's, it's hard for me to envision a, a list of 10 more people that play tennis professionally that can beat him when he's playing. The same way with Felix. When I saw Felix beat Andy Murray, granted that was Andy Murray, that's a couple steps slower, but he really tore apart Andy Murray's game at the 2020 U.S. Open. I was like, oh, 
when he's out there on a mission, there's not that many people that can hang with him. And I'm looking at both of those guys like, I want that consistency. That's the problem. Like, if, and even, I'm just thinking right now about mindset. Mm -hmm. Just overall mindset. Mm -hmm. Just imagine if if Francis's father was somewhat of a Richard Williams or whoever he came up under with, with the mindset of like, you're going to be great. I'm going to, I'm going to build that mental toughness into you to where you step on, when you step on the court, I don't care if we was just kicking it five minutes before I'm, I'm here to, to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's the mindset. And that's what frustrates me about Francis in particular because sometimes when he goes on the court, it's just so... It's, it's that happy to be here. It's indifferent. That, it's, mm-hmm. it's just like, I'm here, I'm good, I'm getting a check when I leave, no matter whether I win or lose. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, dude, no. You have way more potential than You that. have you could, way more potential. You could be calling potential. the shots in this sport. You really could. Yeah, and it's just, I don't get it. And I think with Felix, I just think it's the fact that he's just young. Mm-hmm. I, like, do. I think he just has to mature a little bit and it's it's yeah. it's more okay for him to have a little bit of the happy to be here mentality for Felix because he for all intents and purposes he's only been on tour he like, still has that margin for mm-hmm. error mm-hmm. like with Francis is just like alright with Francis is similar to Jack Sock mm-hmm. I never was a fan of Jack Sock but... I was never a fan of Jack Sock either, <laughs> but I'm just thinking like they're in that same age range and you I see, think Jack is a little older, but but Tiafo just turned twenty four, I believe. Okay, eh. twenty three. So they, the time is on their side, but that's why I want to see them. I want to see them pushing now, so that when the big three and Andy Murray and Stanway Rankin are gone in the next three to four seasons, and we're looking for the next heap of talent, I don't have to They're sit right there. I don't. They right there. I don't have to sit through Zverev winning two Grand Slams and Rublev just buoying his way to another Grand Slam. Not to not to take anything away from those players, but I don't think those players hold the kind of personalities and and gripping like storylines to really push tennis forward like Felix and Tiafo do. I don't. I really don't think that they do. They're good players, and like, and again, not to shades. Vera, Rublev, Medvedev, and um, what's the other guy's name? Um, team. Good, great yeah. tennis players. But the and I, I guess I guess we could be a little bit um, biased because we both black men. I guess mm-hmm. that might be it. I don't care. Call me biased, but I think they really could shape the way tennis is played, and that's what I feel like Naomi is doing. Yeah, there's I mean, something. She's- when you were talking about like feeling scared for Naomi, when you like watched the documentary, I can re- I can respect that and I can see that because I do see that she is is maybe not the person that's the most equipped with. And she said it herself; she doesn't feel the most comfortable being a, a leader, spotlight. a leader in the spotlight. Yeah. However, there is something that happens when she's on a tennis court, most likely a hard court, Completely and I hope, hopefully, I hopefully she gets it at least on a grass court. Because if I had my way, I'd prefer her when Wimbledon over the over Roland Garros. Yeah, but, oh, Wimbledon fits her. Oh, I can see her walking down the that, hallway. If she, if she gets her movement and, and her comfortability level, is comfortability a word? Whatever. If she gets, if she gets <laughs> that ready, com, if she gets her comfort level 
up on grass, watch out because the way those the way her shots be stinging and and it's it's a it's a it's more than an X and O thing that I feel when I watch Naomi Osaka play at her best level. It's like, oh, like she's gifted. Like there is there is some extraterrestrial force behind this ball and behind her mentality on the court. Like she had no business winning the 2020 U.S. Open with the injuries and the stuff that she was was fighting for. Anybody else would have succumbed under that pressure, but she didn't because there's a reason that she's that good. Even the 2021 Australian Open, that wasn't as much of a dramatic championship run for her. But if you go back and watch those matches, she had a tough draw and she almost lost to Garbine Muguruza, but she didn't because she has a level that puts her... She can take it up too. She can take and, it up too. And that's good to see. It's 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 amazing to see. And I I would be I would be surprised. The only thing that would hold Naomi back is her her mentality and her own well-being and emotional well-being. But I'd be surprised if Naomi is not a either either double digit grand slams or close to it. She's not gonna get tired of winning Australia and US Open. She doesn't get tired of that. <laughs> She's not, not gonna get tired. Not at all. Especially not on hard course. No, God no. So you'd be I, like, oh, okay, cool. I'm I'm coming. I'm coming for it. This is mine. <laughs> and I it would be nice to see her like I think the great thing would be to see her beat Ashley Barty in mm-hmm. Australia to take that number one. Like I don't think we'll see it. It's possible, but that would be that would be ideal. Um, and you know what? I actually found myself rooting for Ashley Barty in that final. <laughs> Which final? <laughs> Which is in, the, in Wimbledon. Oh, yeah, I did too. I did too. I would have never thought, but <laughs> when you put Carolina Pliskova against me. <laughs> you put Andrew at 18. Wait, wait, wait. You got to tell the listeners. You got to tell the listeners what's your nickname for her. Yeah, that's Andrew at 18, man. That, that's... <laughs> That's Android 18 in the flesh. Man, and it's not I, even when you just, said that in Clubhouse, when you said that in Clubhouse, I was like, Android 18, why does that sound familiar? And when I Googled it, I was like, she does look like Chris. It's not even, it's not even just like the demeanor. <laughs> it's not even just the look. It's the demeanor. She just doesn't, she is, if the word indifferent, if I was building a dictionary and the word indifferent was like there, she would be the prime picture. She'd be there with her fist up. Or not yeah. even up. It would just be clutch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. I, I I don't know. I don't know. We are really in a weird space for tennis. Yep. In in sports, period. But tennis, absolutely. Like, if you would have told me Svitolina, uh, would have gotten that bronze. Well, I could see that. I could see. I just it, didn't but see based it. off of based off of let's let's get on Svitolina now. Based off of how she got that bronze, she should have been higher up on that damn podium. She was the highest seed in the tournament after Barty, Osaka, and Sabalenka went out. She always does that. That's not the first time that she's been the highest remaining seed and crumbles. And I was talking about this on Clubhouse. I mentioned Clubhouse a couple times. If y'all not following the Tune Into Tennis Clubhouse room, y'all should. Shameless plug. But she doesn't, she's she wins her matches or she wins most of her points by being a little bit of an annoying net. She's not going to miss. And when oh, she's playing, when she's playing her best, she's not going to miss. And the person across the net has to get annoyed by that and just plays a less than smart point or just gives up on the fact that, Oh, she's not missing today. And I'm not about to be out here hitting 26 ball rallies 17 times. 
to win a game. I'm just and not. Gael, Gael sitting there <laughs> celebrating a, a bronze medal. I would have been sitting at home like, girl. Um, I mean, a bronze medal is, I mean, when you compare it to the fact that this is the first time, and my, my friend Brian, who's been on the podcast before, shout out to Brian, he, we were talking about like just stats and stuff. This is the first time that no American tennis player has medaled in any discipline. That means men's singles, women's singles are mixed doubles. This is the first time That's ever the state since the inception, since the inception of the right tennis now. at the Olympics. An American has always gotten a medal, honestly, single or bronze. But in a nutshell, that is the state of American tennis right now. I put that on the agenda for us to talk about. We could talk about that because I feel I, I feel like American tennis has things to lean on. In Coco Golf, in Sebastian Corda, there's there's stuff to lean on, but we're also losing a lot when we lose Serena and Venus. In the hope, it's gonna be a change in the guard soon, and it's just I don't. And maybe it's just COVID Mm because I think Mm -mm. it was before COVID. (laughs) No, I'm saying I'm saying this. I'm saying in 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 regards to the Olympics, just these Mm -hmm. Olympics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. I think Sloan probably could have came in here and made some noise. Um, I think Coco would have definitely made some noise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a healthy Serena or somewhat healthy Serena. And then on the men's side. It's <sighs> Nakashima, Brandon Nakashima. I do yeah, have Nakashima, you said Sebastian Corda. Mm-hmm. But outside of those two, it's really not uh, looking great. It's really not looking great. Yeah, because Francis got. <laughs> we, we we want it for Francis. We really want it for Francis. But Francis, he had he had uh, Stefanos in the first round, right? He played in the first round of of the Olympics. I play, I think they played the second round. The second round, I think, because I oh, think both of them goodness. had to win a first round match. I think. I think. I'm pretty sure. I saw. Pretty that, sure. I saw when I I think I caught like the, I think I caught like the tail end of that match, and I was like, oh yeah, Francis about to lose. They lost in straight sets. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they both they Francis beat uh Sung Woon Kwan from South Korea and then Sissy Paz beat Philip Koshriver and they played in the second round of the Olympics. Gotcha. And Sissy Paz won six three, six four. Hey, I'm gonna say this in regards to the um to the Olympics. Shouts out to these Jamaican women. Oh my god, in track? They look either they do they oh look good or they performing god. good. Perform well both, but <laughs> in in the reference that I'm speaking of, they are performing like it's pretty much like a foregone conclusion at this point. You think they would have outperformed? Track. You think they would have outperformed Shakari? Shakari was not even like the best on the American women's team. So yikes! Sorry, uh, Shakari. Sorry, Shakari. But um, I can't speak to that because I know very little about track and field besides just running. Um I was I was with that whole situation I saw both sides of the, the argument. I understood the fact, you know, the company policy on, you know, portion of it. But also just like come on man, it's marijuana. Like let's 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 get that out of here. And when you put it in the context of why she she said she used it, I get it. I get but it. Yeah, and but some other people made some good points cuz they were basically saying like, "All right, you take somebody out to make room for her, you're taking out another black woman. So it's like the the whole black woman dynamic of it is just like 
you're replacing one black woman with another black woman. So it's just like, are you really doing the work you're trying to make it <laughs> seem like you're doing? So I don't know. I don't know. But, um, you know, shouts out to her. Um, hopefully we can see her in Paris. If she can win a couple world championships or whatever. They really going to have an Olympic ceremony in Paris. And that means the tennis is going to be played on clay for an extra week of the year when we already have 17,000 weeks of clay That's tennis. That's about to be ugly. We didn't, we don't need that. Somebody, somebody was texting me, somebody was texting me that they want Rafa Nadal to be there. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, good luck with that, buddy. <laughs> good luck with, <laughs> in my, yeah. I don't think I said that in the text message, but in my mind I was like, oh, he definitely not playing the Olympics. He definitely Hell no. Not. He definitely not. That would be cute <laughs> for It'd a be like, nice, farewell guess, tour. But, but, he but Rafa will not be around by then 2024 somewhere yeah no we have that's we have we have to get to we have to get through 2022 and to through 20 how old will rafa be by then we what 40 he'll be knocking on it because he's already 30 he's 35 i think he just turned 36 so yeah he'll be knocking on 40 yeah no <laughs> you know, I mean, it's possible at the olympics bruh i'm gonna be like okay y'all i love y'all but can we find something else to do? Can oh, I that's, root? That's... Can I root for y'all fashion lines? Can I root for the for the bracelets that y'all make? Can I root for something else? Because this tennis stuff, we've been doing it for some decades now. <laughs> that's the that's that that's that Tom Brady. I'm playing some 45. Like, Man. Nah. So in but, but while we wrap up, I just wanted to ask you a question. Is do you think like in a perfect world and we live to see uh, well, I mean, even though the world does look grim sometimes, but say we live to see 70 and 80, do you think this will be an Olympic Games that you remember? No. I don't think no. so either. <laughs> and you know what's crazy, it. man? I'm, I, like I told you, man, I'm sitting here watching this stuff in passing. Me and my best friend had a conversation a couple months back, and we both, I guess we randomly just kind of realized we both feel the same way, but after that Falcon Super Bowl with the Patriots, oof. <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't because we both pretty much said like there will never be a moment in sports that could ever have us that low and that high there's nothing that will ever have me as excited and just on that emotional high as I was the only the only thing that could probably do it is an Outcast album. That's it. <laughs> with both, <laughs> with both members. <laughs> That's it. That's the only thing that could get me there because I've seen them live already. So I've already experienced that high. I've seen Dungeon Family live. I've gotten that, but nothing. I've never experienced sports on that. What about a Destiny's Child album? No. No. With new music. My I'm not in their demographic. I'm not that target demographic. <laughs> I'm not that target demographic. You know, just... I do have to, since you mentioned demographic, I do have to keep it a buck with you. I appreciate the fact that you are able to have a conversation with somebody who, like me, shows up. I mean, I don't know how, I don't know if I show up in the world as queer, like to everybody else, but I know that I'm a, I'm a queer black man. And your ability to kind of keep conversation and just be a cool person and not be that. I'm a, a person that, I'm a, a person that lives by compassion. 
Like, and I, appreci- I appreciate that because a lot I of want, people would be like, mm, I don't know if I want to be in this clubhouse space with a whole bunch of guys talking about the WTA and saying, ooh, child. And like, you, you, like, you know how you know how we get down, but it never comes across like it's, we are it's, condescending. It's entertaining. It's fun. <laughs> it's great conversation. But you know what's crazy, man? Like, I've had this conversation. I had this conversation at the barbershop like a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's and a And <laughs> I just had to tell them, like, this whole idea of there being like some sort of gay agenda to like brainwash your children. I'm like, yo, these people do not care about your kids. Like, why do y'all feel this way? And <laughs> we don't care at all. We just trying but, to survive. And, and but that's the thing, like they don't care about your kids. And I even had to like educate my parents. I'm like, look, because <clears throat> everybody's like everybody had their issue with Lil Nas X. Whatever. Me, when he did that whole, what's the name of that song, Montero? Um, I, I think, I, I, like you said, Destiny's Child is not your demographic. <laughs> yeah, you know, like, X might not but, be that, but that's my point. <laughs> that's my point. Because my mom was basically like, oh, well, you know, this stuff is being put out there for mass consumption. Turn the TV. If it bothers you that much, mm-hmm. turn the TV. Well, what about the kids? I told my mom, I said. You control that. I told, I told my mom that. I said, these parents are too lazy to police the stuff that they, their children consume. So, what? because all these parents do is plop their kids in front of an iPad yep. and be like, have at it. Yep. So, if it's that big of an issue, or they record, the iPad away. Or they record their child playing on said iPad. And yeah. Be like, oh, my so God. I'm, just like, <laughs> I'm like, if it's that big of an issue to you, like, take the iPad away. Or make sure you actively police whatever they're watching but at the end of the day it's fear like it's fear and it's 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 taboo it's it's church conditioning mm-hmm. it's a whole bunch of bullshit but when i first had my first like long-term encounter with someone who was um a part of the lgbt community was a co-worker chris shout mm-hmm. out to chris that's my guy like chris was cool as hell but people treat you guys like you're monsters i'm like yo like they're human beings. We be chilling. Well, I can only speak for Miles. I be chilling. Like my, <laughs> my my agenda is never to like switch people over to being queer or be in the LGBTQ plus community. I just am. I am. But if you're comfortable, if you're comfortable in your manhood, there shouldn't be an issue. I'm comfortable in it, and I just happen to like sports and tennis in but particular. But I'm, I'm talking about these these heterosexual men. Sometimes you can't get through yeah. to them because when yeah. when I get off on the when I when I leave the tune at the tennis rooms on clubhouse and be in the clubhouse hallways, I be like, "Bro, do y'all hear yourselves?" <laughs> like, because even like even the whole situation with the baby. Oh, we gotta talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> the baby I, is it's I don't crazy. Like, mm, mm. I'll just say this: it's crazy when Chris Brown makes sense. <laughs> Chris Brown was basically like, get on stage, perform, thank the fans, get off the stage. Shut up. Like, all that extra stuff is, I don't know. I don't know. Well, speaking, we can close this speaking, of, extra stuff, <laughs> speaking of extra stuff, your boy Nick Kyrgios is going to be playing this week coming up in Washington, D.C. You think he has a shot of doing some damage? Uh, who won the Atlanta Open? John Isner. <laughs> Of course. They might, well, they might as well play that damn thing in Athens, man. I I don't know why they squeeze it into the Atlantic station, but whatever. We'll never know. You know what's crazy? 
I think they should do something closer to Truist Park. If mm-hmm. it's a, there's the space, it's the open. It's there's plenty the of space over there. Plenty, but um, in Stone Mountain, they used to have a whole Olympic. Um, we know they tore that down, right? But they could this like they could just rebuild something. Atlanta got nah. Them. They they put like a couple big storage. And then like the really? Netherworld haunted house. Yeah, it's a bunch of nonsense over here. Here I am trying to move back to Atlanta and they don't even want to do right. Well, good luck well I'm that. I'm looking for Nick Curios's spot in this draw because I know it's an interesting spot. It always is. Um Nick is out here moving. I thought that wasn't gonna happen until next year. Moving what? Now on the court. What round did he losing? He lost to and, Cam Nori. Cam Nori got in his ass. He looked so slow on that court. At the Atlanta he, Open? At the Atlanta Open, yeah. He got he lost oh, like six, crazy. six one, six four. Yeah, he he got he got that's crazy. Because so I wanted he, to go to one of the matches, but I was just like, John, it's not going to Have you ever been to the DC Open or the, uh, the City Open in DC? I would like to go. I mean, I wanted to go more when it was a combined event, but for now, it's just it's for now it's just ATP only. And he plays Mackenzie McDonald first round, um, and then one. guess who he? If Nick Kyrgios wins that first round match, guess who he's guaranteed to play? Who? Benoit Pair. Oh, now that's some shit. <laughs> that's gonna be a very angry. That's gonna be. Fu- <laughs> I'm if already happened. cutting. I'm if already cutting the tension with a knife. If it happens, because uh, Mackenzie McDonald is the kind of player that would get under Nick Kyrgios' skin. Like, why isn't I can hear him saying, "Why isn't this guy missing? Why isn't he missing, dude?" Like, I hate tennis. I hate tennis. I love Nick, man. I love Nick. <laughs> and then on the on the women's side for next week, I wanted to get your opinions on the Silicon Valley Classic in San Jose. Uh, Sloane Stevens is set to play there. She's not seated, but uh, who else? I, I can tell you right now. Hold on, Sloane Stevens. Did you say Jesus at the fact that she's not seated? <laughs> Tennis is in a weird like place right now, man. It really is. The Sloan Sloan is getting back to form, and I think a Sloan that's back to form, a Sloan that's in the top twenty, is a good WTA. Yeah, Even though people might feel like Sloan doesn't have a whole bunch of personality, I think she does, and I think she has a, especially even now more so. I think sometimes struggles are, and I'm, I guess I'm I'm preaching to the choir when I say this. I need to hear it myself. Sometimes struggles are so hard to be in while you're in them, but once mm-hmm. you're on the other side, it makes you so much more relatable, and it gives you something to talk about. It gives you a storyline. If everybody was squeaky clean, or everybody just like did everything to a T, that would be boring. And Sloane is not boring at all to me. Yeah, I mean, if you saw when she won that major, it was just like, oh shoot, like, but. Mm-hmm. If you follow Sloan on social media, like you will understand, like she actually has a fun personality. Yep. So I don't know. She Who plays. Cares? She <laughs> plays Katie McNally in her opening round in San Jose, which is interesting. She hopefully she gets that win, and then the number one seed is Elise Mertens. Number two seed is Rabakina. Number three seed is Homegirl Madison Keys. <laughs> <laughs> and the queen of, of unforced errors queen of unforced errors queen of hitting the back fence and making the camera shake um and number four seed is, is number four seed is Casaquina. so we'll see you got that joke oh the i shake. just got that joke that is, hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious so we'll see who comes out of that there's some other other names floating around in that tournament but we'll see when but are we seeing that, coco again 
Coco Golf. I'm not sure. This would have been a good opportunity, but hope, hopefully, you know, and on a serious tip, hopefully she's not feeling the effects of COVID-19 oh, after yeah. she tested positive. I just forgot about that. And I hope there's nothing, I hope there's no lasting effects. I hope I hope she's good. Um, because, but, but on the same tip, she has literally like next to no points to defend. So she'll be fine. She lost in the first round of the U.S. Open last year. So she'll be fine. Damn, man. I, I mean, she, I her, trajectory, her trajectory is so damn up, it's ridiculous. And she's not even 17 years old yet. <laughs> I forgot she called the Ronies, man. Dang. Mm-hmm. Well, um. she do, she, I, I, And I'm pretty sure she got it when she moved back, when she was uh, in Atlanta, actually. Because she did a whole, like, a couple weeks stint in Atlanta after Wimbledon. <laughs> she was posting on her social media. And then a couple days before we had Olympics started, Hey guys, I'm so sorry to inform you that I tested positive. I love my city, man. I yeah. love my city to death, man. But Jesus, y'all, Christ, I, I, I say y'all like I wasn't a resident there. Y'all never took this serious. <laughs> you know what, man? Keisha tried. I give her credit, and I'm I'm a very I've been very hard on Keisha. Um, because Keisha she just Lance comes from a, mayor of Atlanta. Yeah, she just comes from a corrupt lineage. Um, her, Kasim Reed, Shirley Franklin, but we can talk about that another time. Anyway, <laughs> um, bro, I thank you for coming on to the podcast. This has been a hilarious <laughs> and fun and passionate hour plus conversation about the 2020 Olympics and a whole host of other stuff. Tell the people one more time where they can find you and follow you and get more information about you. Well, again, you can no longer find me on Twitter. Um, <laughs> but you can find me on Instagram at Bleak Superior. That's B-L-E-A-K-S-U-P-E-R-I-O-R. With a fire backhand and a, a, a popping slinger bag. Yeah, man. I love that slinger bag, man. Even though everybody <laughs> complains about the uh, the amount of top spin it gives. It's just like, uh, You got to, I mean, eventually you're going to play somebody that has a whole bunch of top spin anyway. So you might as well prepare for it. Yeah, pretty much. And pray for us down here in Georgia because this heat is ridiculous. Mask up, y'all, and then find some air conditioning. And you wouldn't have to worry about wearing a mask if you stayed inside with air conditioning and just turned on HBO Max or turned on the Naomi Osaka documentary, even though that's only like two hours of your day. I'm just trying to help y'all out so y'all don't get the Rona. Because if you stay inside, you won't get it. (laughs) Georgia's a different universe. We don't don't adhere to those rules. It's really simple. Unfortunately. Mask up, y'all. Stay inside, and <laughs> I'm a I'm a holler at y'all on the other side of this of this break. Okay, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know what, y'all? You know I'm back in five, four, three, two, one. You know what, y'all? I gotta be honest with y'all. As I sit back and like edit episodes and listen to them back, because again. One man show over here. I know y'all probably tired of me saying that. I am proud of myself because <laughs> I feel like I'm finding my groove in this podcasting thing. Um, and I won't go on a tangent about it because I'm just wrapping up the show. But it's just something that dawned on me as I picked up my mic again to do the outro of the show and the episode. I'm just proud of myself. I am approaching the one year anniversary of Missing the Point and... It's my own little baby of sorts, and I have not left it out to dry. (laughs) So in parenting ways, I guess I'm doing all right, because she, I think it's a girl. (laughs) She doing okay. Um, Some things I wanted to hit on that me and 
Miguel kind of let slip through the cracks just because our conversation was flowing all over the place. The champions or gold medalist of the 2020 Olympics in tennis in men's singles was Alexander Zverev. Women's singles, Belinda Bencic brought home the gold medal. Do with that what you will. She beat Marketa Vondrusova in the gold medal match. Men's doubles, uh, Mektic and Pavic of Croatia brought home the gold medal, and they've been having a spectacular year. Women's doubles, Barbora Krajcikova, the French Open singles winner, from earlier this season and the doubles winner at that same event brought home doubles gold for her country of uh, Czech Republic with her partner Katarina Sinyakova and in mixed doubles the Russian Olympic <laughs> the Russian Olympic Committee team of Anastasia Pavlyuchenkova who was the runner up at the French Open earlier this season and Andrzej Rublev who's had a pretty decent season himself they brought home the mixed doubles gold medal match over another pair of russians in alina vesnina and aslan karatsev so just to put you in the know of who came home with the big winners in the olympics and also to keep you in the know of what's going on in the tennis world as i record this right now we are in the thick of the u.s open hardcourt summer series leading up until Leading up unto the U.S. Open in New York, which, which I am like 98% sure I will be attending. So shout out to Missing the Point. Shout out to me. Shout out to Brian. Shout out to the universe. I hope I'm not jinxing this because I really want to be in the building with my mask on. <laughs> and hopefully listeners of the show, if you see me out there or you know, if you're planning to go to the U.S. Open in the first two days, because that's when I'll be out there the Monday and Tuesday, you know, listen, listen, the podcast is doing well, but not that well. Where I can just be out there the entire two weeks or during championship weekend, maybe one day in the near future <laughs> that I can go to a tennis tournament and be there all day. Maybe I can cover a tennis tournament from first ball to last one day. Hashtag goals. Anyway. I will be at the U.S. Open and we are in the midst of the lead up to the last Grand Slam of the year. And there are two concurrent tournaments going on right now in the United States. One ATP 500 tournament in Washington, D.C. and one WTA tournament in San Jose, California. And I alluded to those a little bit at the end of our conversation between uh, myself and Miguel. And just to give you an update of those tournaments, we're at the quarterfinal stage of both. And in the men's singles, the tournament started off in D.C. being led by Rafael Nadal, who was back on court since his break from competition since the French Open in June. He was the number one seed and the number two seed was Felix Ajay Aliassime. However, neither of those players have made it to the quarterfinals. The quarterfinal lineup is set. Lloyd Harris just got a win of his career, quite frankly, over Rafael Nadal to get to the quarterfinal spot. Lloyd Harris is from South Africa. He's the 14th seed of this tournament. He will play the Japanese player Kei Nishikori, a former top four player um, in the quarterfinals, uh, as well as Mackenzie McDonald of the of United States versus Dennis Kudla. Why can I talk today? Sorry, y'all. Uh, again, that's Mackenzie McDonald versus Dennis Kudla in the quarterfinals. And then also Yannick Center of Italy versus Stevie Johnson, again, of the United States. United States is having a pretty good tournament in the D.C., the capital. And also John Millman of Australia versus Jensen Brooksby, who is quietly or not so quietly becoming the story of that tournament with upsets over the likes of 
the number 16 seed, Francis Tiafo. In the second round, he took out Kevin Anderson, a two-time Grand Slam finalist in the first round, and he's also beaten the number two seed in this tournament, Felix Auger-Aliassime. So he is having a wonderful breakthrough tournament at only 20 years old. And again, that is good for the United States of America in terms of tennis. And we will see who comes up the winner in that tournament because it'll wrap up this weekend, and I'll be back on the podcast on Monday to let you know um, who won that event and wrap up um, what is a looking to be an exciting road to the U.S. Open. As for the women, the quarterfinals are also set. Like I said, the tournament is being led by number one seed Elise Mertens from Belgium and number two seed Elena Rabakina from Kazakhstan, who was almost a medalist in Tokyo, just could not quite get over the hump in a couple of her matches. Both of those seeds are still in the quarterfinals. Elise Mertens will face Yulia Putinseva for a spot in the semis. Also, Daria Kasakina versus Magda Lynette are, are in the quarterfinals, as well as a, a favorite of mine, like one of those players that's like the rest of the world doesn't know, and I sometimes feel like I'm the only fan of this player. I'm referring to Anna Kanja. <laughs> Anna Kanja of Croatia. She's having a really good comeback season. Um, I think she is. She faces uh, Zhang Shuai of China in the quarterfinals in, why well, was I going to say San Diego? In, um, where are they? In San Jose. Sorry. <laughs> in San Jose. And then also, I just finished watching this match as I record this outro. Uh, Daniel Collins beat Sloane Stevens in a really tight three-set match to get to the quarterfinals where she will face the number two seed, Elena Rabakina. So that tournament is shaping up pretty nicely. And again, I'll be back on Monday to wrap up those tournaments and discuss the upcoming tournament after Washington and San Jose are, are done. The the tour then moves to Montreal, where both men and women will be competing in that WTA and ATP 1000 event. So that is going to be an interesting one. And... That pretty much wraps up our show today, guys. If you enjoyed what you heard in today's episode, please do check us out on all social networks at Missing Point Pod. Subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new episodes. Review the show because that does help us grow. Click on the podcast description for more information on how to support the podcast, which I always appreciate. And don't forget to send us your questions or feedback at missingpointpod at gmail.com. Pro tip and hint, like I've said earlier in the show, we are approaching our one year anniversary. So you may want to start emailing the podcast with some things you'd like to see as far as a celebratory anniversary type episode, or maybe just some questions um, from me or questions of me that you have thought to ask or always wanted to ask. I'd love to answer them. So send me an email. I'd love it. Until next time, guys, have a good week. Take care of yourself. Continue to mask up. Avoid this Delta variant and the Omega and the Sigma and everything in between. (laughs) And I will talk to you guys soon. Okay. Take care until next time.